Alright, so moving along swiftly to... What are you guys talking about? What are you guys talking about? Very good. We're starting off, and, and I was trying to get this kind of rushed along because I've been very tired. Fall is coming, so there goes my energy levels where I was jumping like a <laughs> jackrabbit two weeks ago. Um, so I've been trying to push Eddie to get this done a little bit earlier and a little bit whatever, and then I still end up talking to him a half hour before we even start this thing. But welcome, everybody, to What Are You Guys Talking About? Tonight, we are going to be discussing a, a new film. So we do this when Eddie and I end up going to the cinema um, to the same film. We'll talk about it. And today we are going to discuss The New Mutants. So we will still try to put our particular indie vibe on this one, but this was obviously not an indie film. And we will be talking about generally the things we liked and we didn't like. So it's more of a standard review for you guys out there. But we hear from, uh, I think Paul said this, that he likes these types of reviews. So we are going to do it. And we will throw in... You know, Eddie, the, the genius behind a camera over there, will probably throw in a couple <laughs> things that he liked about the shot work. Um, but that I is... don't know. I, I watched this with a massive headache. So. <laughs> <laughs> so very quickly before we get started, remember, you can find us on SoundCloud or other podcast distributors, um, you know, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, any of those. We're on social media. So find us on Facebook, Instagram or LinkedIn. And then also check us out on our Web page, which is www.lovevictoriaproductions.com. They said I update that regularly now. There should be a production update coming out soon to tell you about the work we're doing on You Reap What You Sow, and also some of the work that I've been doing in the background on editing, going back through Prisoner 817, Eddie's masterpiece, which we are going to get a trailer together for everyone to watch. Um, as I said, probably not in time for October Fright Fest, but in time for some film festival for somebody to see it, damn it. <laughs> okay, so... Starting us out, um, yeah, why don't we talk first impressions? And this will be without spoilers, so I'll go back to our old format with this. We'll do this without spoiling the film for you. And that way, if you're thinking about seeing this one, because it's still in the cinemas for a little while, you can listen to this little part here, and you can make up your mind whether you think you should go out. So starting with Eddie, the man, Spaghetti. First impressions. <laughs> yes. Um, well, it's, it's weird, and this is one of the topics that I do kind of want to talk a little bit more in depth about, but... I came into this film with very low expectation. Mm -hmm. um, uh, one of uh, my coworkers who works at the cinema, he told me he found it boring. Uh, and then you told me you were going to watch it. And I think I, I texted you that night or, or the next day. And you, usually you're like me. You're very kind of effusive about, about films and stuff like that. And this time you were like, yeah, it was good. You know? Uh, and so my expectations were very low. Uh, having said that, I friggin' loved it. Good. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Um, I think the thing that I like the most about it and the thing that worries me about Marvel going forward is very much that um, often the more interesting superhero films have come from Fox. I'm thinking specifically... Um, uh, Deadpool and uh, Logan as well. Um, and you know, the early X Men films, even First Class mm -hmm, and stuff like mm -hmm. that. So, like, my worry now that they have everything back under their umbrella is that there might not be quite as much room for trying interesting things out. And I feel that that's what this film did very well was, was do something a little bit different and a little bit interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, but at the same time, it perhaps didn't go as far as it could have. Um, and perhaps that's where I can see people's lukewarmness on it. But I, I really enjoyed it. Okay, very good. Cool. Um, from my perspective, Ed at the end was hitting on kind of my first impressions. Now, I am a huge fan, just so you guys know, of the New Mutants, which later become most of the members of the New Mutants later become the X Factor, or at least the original members of X Factor. And the reason that's cool to me is that was like when I started reading comic books. So I still have some of the comics from that era. And so for me, this was a really cool story because you're talking about um, you know, the New Mutants were always kind of an offshoot of the X-Men um, and we're dealing with kind of some of the more radical elements. And so you have, you know, characters like Ileana, which is just it doesn't even really show you until the end um, right. you know, who she is. Um, but and I said no spoilers. Uh -huh. <laughs> well, there you go, guys. 
Um, but she was a major character. She is the major character of X Factor. Um, uh. And then you had, you know, m- my my favorite character from X Factor was always the werewolf child or the werewolf girl yeah. because she's crazy. And I just I, that was probably that is the signature performance for me from the New Mutants. So I'm kind of getting into detail before telling the high level. Let me do the high level. Like four amazing performances from young and up and coming actors. So that's a reason mm-hmm. to watch this movie. Um, it's yeah. another X-Men film and it's a decent X-Men film. So I've yeah. never seen Apocalypse nor Dark Phoenix, but I heard those are the two to miss. So um, yeah. I even yeah. like The Last Stand, right even though I didn't like it at the time when I saw it. I like it now because there's other yeah, ones yeah. around it. At the time, they made it look like it was going to be a finale. And it was like, wait, the X-Men still need to go on. Um, but that's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. Like, if you're an X-Men fan, then this will be fine. The other type of fans that may enjoy this are fans of, and Ed pointed this out when he talked to me, thrillers. So it reminded me very much if you could handle and enjoyed the extra Conjuring movies. So these were the movies, not The Conjuring, Mm. not The Conjuring 2, but like all the Annabelle films. Because these, uh, Mm. you know, this was, and this kind of sums up the end of my first impressions. The problem is it's never as good as the sum of its parts. And right. so it was a good film. It had great acting with great characters. It had some moments that were like a thriller. So some really suspenseful moments. It had other moments that were really great with the X-Men and the mutant powers bit. But none of those really kind of drove the entire story. And so for me, it all ended up being a bit muddled in the end. And it never quite was mm. a thriller. It never quite was an X-Men film. And it never mm. quite was a coming-of-age teen film. But it tried to be all three. And so, you know, it would get an honorable mention for me. Is it something I would go to see 10 times in the theater? No. Was it like Tenet where just because the sheer enjoyment of seeing it on screen, I would probably see it again? No. Do I think it's a good film? Yeah. This is one for me is a perfect category for the things that are being considered by the likes of Netflix and by Disney and all these is saying, maybe we release it straight into people's houses. This one, I know it had a huge cast and... I think some elements were improved with the big screen, but I thought in general, this one could have easily been shown on a smaller screen and still been entertaining. Mm. I didn't think there were too many shots where you had to have that beautiful IMAX. And that's the difference between, as I said, the week before I saw Tenet, which has also had mixed reviews, but that is definitely one you want to see on an IMAX just to see what they were trying to do. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think you get the effect of the movie. Same thing I said about Blade Runner 2049. You haven't seen that in IMAX. You haven't seen how it was intended to be watched. So those are my mm-hmm. first impressions. It's it's a film for some people and a film not for other people. So I wouldn't recommend everyone go to see this. But if you are an X-Men fan and aren't feeling too jaded after Dark Phoenix, then this is definitely worth your while. Cool. Um, can I ask a controversial question? I don't know if this will be a controversial question. You can ask question, whatever questions but... you like, mate. Do you... Like, do you think that this was uh, just a not very good Umbrella Academy? Um, No, no. I think it actually stepped farther than Umbrella Academy. The problem with Umbrella Academy that I have is it it use it's using it's because of who's writing it. And he's a good guy. And I I like I, I definitely think this is amazing to be coming out of someone else that I also think is a great singer. However, he's as old as I am. And so the Umbrella Academy is more like a breakfast club for millennials, like for millennials of my age. Whereas the new mutant is for young people. Like, that's why I young liked people, it. Right. And we're not talking like 15 year olds. We're talking like 20 year olds. And that's why I really thought it connected well on that level that you're, you're taking up and coming actors and actresses. You are putting them in a you know, position where they're, they're supposed to be teenagers. They're all slightly older than that, just to be honest. Um, yeah. And so, you know, you have the 90210 thing, but it's for their generation. And that's why some of the things that I found interesting and I thought should have been pursued further, there's a lot of talking. You know, X-Men films mm. of our day, mate, there's not a lot of talking. You know what I mean? There didn't yeah, have yeah, to be. Yeah. The superhero film is not known for its dialogue. This one wanted to explore, you know, the different people's backgrounds and things like that. Mm. And, and it did it in a, I liked it, man. in a younger way, in a much younger yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I yeah. think, you know... Is it the poor man's Umbrella Academy? No, because the Umbrella Academy is kind of pitching its flag for everyone and saying, you know, in a kind of a, not a baby boomer, but like a Generation X slash millennial way. Whereas New Mutants is firmly for like new film and is like, you know, this is what it should look like. This is what it could be. Mm. Surprisingly enough, because it sat in development for like three years before it's been finally released. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
you know, it's funny you're saying that because now it makes me think like this should have come out before Umbrella Academy. It would have made Umbrella Academy even more popular. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it would have been better if it would have come out uh, before Umbrella Academy. I think it might have done better as well. Um, but that, that, like, with 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 that though, was that because um, I tried looking into it uh, with with why it was like um, held back and stuff. Did you did you get any joy? No, again, I'm I'm unfortunately on September is a very busy month in my day job, so re- research is kind of at, at at a minimum at the moment. But what I do know from my previous looking at this, so the background, you know, spoiler alert, by the way, because now we're going to get into in depth discussions, and I don't have to worry about whether I'm spoiling it. I already did anyway for you guys. So, <laughs> but if you haven't seen the movie at this point, then go and see the movie, and then come back and listen to the rest because we're going to get in depth with things now. What I do know about the past with the New Mutants is that it was originally part of a trilogy of horror films. And so mm-hmm. basically the guy that made it, and I, I can't even remember his name now offhand. I did I did watch it in the credits and I was, you know, I did make a note of it in my book, which is somewhere around here. But the director had said he was trying to make, you know, a genre film out of the X-Men and wanted to see how it could be done. Now, I can't remember if each of his three films was going to be a different genre film or if they're all three going to be mm-hmm. a horror story. But the first one was mm. definitely meant to be a horror. And the old trailers, the ones that existed like two years ago, picked this yeah. completely as a horror movie. I mean, it just looked yeah, grim. Yeah, yeah. And so that's, I think, some of the Disney effect. At least that's who I will blame for it, because I don't know who, who you know, made this less of a thriller and more of an X-Men right. film. Um, right, right, I right, think right. they should have gone down the horror route. Given the scenario and the setup of the story, it would have been absolutely perfect to run as a pure horror movie or a pure thriller but they decided not to so you know that was their choice do i wish this would have had more goes yeah the problem is all of this now gets absorbed in the mcu and that kind of licensing because that's what's been foretold as it as it were by faggy and and you know the powers that be on this and so you lose the ability to kind of expand on some of the elements you know it's kind of a shame man i'll be honest because i I would have really liked to have seen three films in this vein well and and that's you know now we're getting into the realities of what happened and that's again why some of you listen to the show because we try to dissect maybe what's happened here's the problem like you've already shot the film it's way going through editing and a couple different things but you know it's it's already in the can you know Ideally, he would have gone back and changed the story because he knew he wasn't going to make three of them. I'm not sure he really mm. had the chance. And that's what I think right. happened here. It was very apparent that this was supposed to be an intro movie to some other stuff because there's a lot of things that get introduced in this film. It's actually three quarters of the film is nothing but introductions. And that was part of the problem. It takes forever to get going. And then once mm. it does, it's really good. And you're like, wow, like, look at these powers and look at these people. And isn't this creepy where these kids are? But by then, it's like you've only got a half hour of the show left, and it's already a fairly lengthy, um, you know, frankly lengthy go. So I think that's where some of the hindrance comes and where you're getting the mixed reviews versus people who would have been like, wow, this is really cutting edge. Um, and, and see, yeah. New Mutants was cutting edge when it was released as a comic book because it, it was an antithesis to the X-Men, okay? It was kind of this new, funky, really bratty and irreverent because, again, you're dealing with mutants that have such severe powers that people don't think you know, it's a bit like who's who's Logan going to save in the um, in in his movie in the last one in Logan. I still haven't watched it yet. X X twenty three. Yeah. So I mean, it's like you remember how X twenty three has like the powers, right? Like just insane amount mm. of powers. Like we're talking that way. Almost how Kitty Pride's another one that in the past has had that like severe power. Um, Jean Grey right, right. was another one that right, went right. through that. Like uh, Omega, Omega Mutant. Yeah so, yeah, so you're talking about they just have that little bit. And so the New Mutants were like the young ones that get found this way. But again, like that's what I liked about the movies. It really did show these aren't, they aren't like, it's not like X-Men Academy where these guys have these stories of, you know, compare it with X-Men the movie where it was like Rogue kisses her boyfriend and her boyfriend ends yeah. up in the hospital. But then it's all light and fluffy, like, the New Mutants was, oh, my God, I, I kind of decimated this town I or burned, yeah, yeah. or I burn <laughs> all these people. Like they were really yeah, tragic yeah, stories. Yeah. And that's why these people yeah. are thrown because they're seen as so dangerous. Um, um, yeah, I really strongly recommend watching Logan and then watching this again, hmm. because um, these two, those two fit in a in a very interesting parallel world. And that's what I mean. I think and I, I, I keep saying that. Now, here's a question. Easter egg for the uh, for the podcast here, Ed. I have both mm-hmm. the color and the noir version. Which one, in your view, my camera maestro, 
Do I watch? Oh. Why would I watch Logan and Noir? That's all I'm asking, really. What, what, I think you'd, how would it improve? you'd watch it to cream your pants of how beautiful it looks. <laughs> but it's, it's I, I would say watch the original first and then watch no, no, the no, that's, that's because... what I'm saying. That's, and that's a podcast, my friend. And we'd be like a YouTube yeah. channel. But that's the game, man. If I got to pick one or the other, which one am I yeah. doing? I'm only going to watch this one set. I should have watched it ages ago. Yeah. And I never have gotten I'd around say, to it. I'd say the, the, the color one. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I know that's it, probably it, sacrilege to. No, it's all right. I camera, that's why I'm asking. Like, is it going to let me friends. down? Is it going to let me down? And Ed's like, it'll let you down, Jay. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> he knows my standards. So I will watch it in color and I will, you know, I will kind of add to anything that, that I thought about on this one. So um, mm. let's talk a little bit about cast and crew because we've got plenty okay. of time here and, and let's go through. So, director was who on this, Ed? Uh, Josh Boone is his name. Okay. And uh, he is most famous for directing the film The Fault in Our Stars. Oh, never saw that one. Did you? Yeah, I didn't either. Uh, <laughs> I'll be perfectly honest with you. I don't think either of us were the target audience um, for, for that particular film. Sure. It's a very YA kind of story. Right. Um, and what, what do you mean it, by that? Sorry to press, but, but let's let's give some context. Uh, so young, to our... young adult, like in the same way that that you know Twilight and the Hunger Games, and like it, it's a it's a story that appeals to, I think, prepubescent teens okay. is how I would describe. Um, and uh, and maybe that's a harsh criticism for all the you know Fault in Our Stars fans out there that listen to our podcast. Please. Leave us a comment and tell us how amazing it was. But, uh, yeah, so that's kind of what he's most famous for. Um, and I think that kind of makes sense that they went to him with this. Um, because he, he, he does appeal to young people. You know, I think he's got that, um, he's got that in, his, in his arsenal, so to speak. Sure. Um, and so, but I mean, it, again, it, are these things that didn't appeal to you, like in, in the new mutants or, or I'm just trying to get to the I, bottom of, of yeah. where you're seeing the difference between you and, a, and a, is, are you talking like a, you and a 20 something, or I said, you said pre, no, pre I'm talking about like 13, 14, okay. like, um, the fault in our stars, I believe is a story about a young girl who has cancer uh-huh. and it's about her kind of falling in love with this boy and it's like really sad and uh basically i'm sure i'd cry at it is, is what i'm saying okay. um and and i think that um i think uh, the new mutants has certain elements of that but i like the elements that they took on board like the um the gay relationship in in the film mm-hmm. I, I i liked it i thought it was cute i to it it sold it to me. I don't know how you felt about it. Yeah, I, I think it did it exactly the way it's supposed to. I, I think it was just a relationship. So that is probably, I mean, from that perspective, Ed, like, yeah, I was just happy that, you know, I, I just can't stand it when it has to be the focal point all of a sudden. And it's right. like, right. that was just presented as a relationship. It didn't, you know, it didn't really matter. There was, I think, a comment or two about I've never done this before, but whatever. Like, mm. that could happen anyway. I just... Again, it's supposed to be about equality and it's supposed to be about all people being treated equal. So what? It, again, what I'd like to see, and it's not like I have a, a bone to pick in the fight, but what I'd like to see is just, you know, as I said, presented like that. It was awesome that way. That's another reason, yeah. you know, those are one of the positive things that go into the film is that it was very good at, at just kind of modernizing itself right off the bat. And um, yes. I think every film just should be doing that as of right, to be honest. Like, there's no reason why we shouldn't be. Um, it is the world we live in now, so... You know what I mean? Get with the times, everybody. Absolutely. Absolutely. So and then, um, so another sorry, thing, another thing about Boone, just to mention is because uh, he's not really a teen writer. He's been he's been pegged. I mean, he is writing. He's writing The Stand. So he's directing, writing and producing yes. it. So that's going to be a remake of, uh, you know, it came out in the 90s, I Stephen believe, King, yeah. was a, a great uh, series with Rob Lowe is, is one of the characters I remember in that. There were quite a few others, but. It was at the time, it was like the epitome of TV. And now it would be a good time to remake it because we are in the golden age of TV. So I'm, they're going to do a 10-part miniseries to this, which I'm sure will be mind-blowing because the story is, is dense and interesting. But that is his, you know, he's, he's doing it now, basically, putting mm. it out. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So, uh, okay. Um, who else of note? Um, well, then I would probably jump into the cast because there's quite a few really good um, actors. Yes, here. please do. Um, so you have Blue Hunt, who plays uh, Danny Morningstar. Sorry, Danny Moonstar, mm-hmm. um, uh, who's kind of the main protagonist. Uh, then you've got uh, Maisie Williams, who plays uh, Rain. Mm. Um, you've got uh, ch- uh, so Maisie Williams, obviously of like uh, Game of Thrones fame. She played uh, Aya Stark and uh, Charlie Heaton, who plays the he plays Sam. Um, yeah, so on- of- Anya Taylor Joy playing Ileana Rasputin. That's that's her character, one of the more prominent characters in in the New Mutants and the X Factor. Sorry. Yeah. Didn't mean to. No. Yeah. Just pointing out. So you. Yeah. yeah. You- I, I was. I, yeah. I, I, I hadn't gotten to her yet, but yes. So Sam, played by Charlie Heaton, who is the older brother in um, Stranger Things. Um, then you've got Anna Taylor Joy, who I know her from playing Emma recently. Um, I don't know what you remember her. Oh, she's most yeah, she's from. she's yeah, she's big right now, Ed. She was in Emma. She was in. I mean, she's known her her breakout performance is The Witch. Um, but then she has a oh, that's right. She of has a really strong that. performance in Split. She's uh, good. She's really she's good. really good. She's incredibly. Yeah. Like, Anya, if you're listening, call me please. I want to cast you in something, but I haven't quite written it yet. So, <laughs> but. And then every time uh, I watch her performance, she's very good at building suspense. So and I -hmm. I, I, this was interesting to me because this is the first time I've seen her play. I mean, I didn't watch Emma. I heard it was really good, but obviously it was released Mm, right before COVID. So it kind of got, you know, unfortunately suffered from that. But um, obviously she was good in The Witch. Obviously, she was, you know, equally good in Split. In this one, she was playing a very different role from what she normally plays. um, Mm. Because Ileana is the badass. Really well as well. And is is a badass because... Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I, I was just going to say, I found her a little annoying at first, but by the end of the movie, she was my favorite character. I, I think, and, and again, this is, it, it always depends whether the old men remember what it's really like being a teenager. So being honest here, because sometimes we remember things with rose-colored glasses. However, that was the other thing that was really done well, uh, and why I was saying it was less of a breakfast clubby thing and more of a, a what thing. It, he did try to very much imitate or or mimic like what they're going through in their young lives. Now it, it it spoke to me, and I'm 38, so whether or not he actually hit the mark on that or is just repeating what happened in our teenage days. But although she she was the one that comes from the abused house and has the the the, the I thought that that was represented really really well because it was horrific, but you could see the 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 kind of honest parts. Like the the smiling men who oh yeah were yeah I mean it's it, like the what a, the silk shirt what a brilliant the, way to depict yeah. that you know what I mean because yeah, we've yeah, seen that really we you good. know we added a film festival a couple of years back where there were a couple ones on on you know child prostitution and, and kind of how that all works and and it, it's like it's just a difficult topic there's no way you're gonna put it on screen yeah. and people are not gonna flinch however yeah. again you know compare this with the Nightingale which was just so horrific that some people are like shit man I can't sit and watch this with what right. he did, which is metaphorically showing you. Now, it's, yes. it's not yeah. trying to kind of depress or, or take away from that experience, but it, it is in a way that is more visually Palatable. and cinematic yeah. that can work and yeah. the story a bit better. So, no, it, it was things like that, Ed, that, that, as I said, kept me from, from, you know, I was so impressed with stuff like that. I didn't understand why the rest of the film wasn't that good. You know what I mean? Like, mm, that's mm, what I kept coming back to is having great scenes like that or... You know the end scene with the um with the bear. I just love that. But I was like, why? Yeah, that was so. Why cool. did you wait to the very very end to reveal this about Spirit Bear? Because that's one of the coolest characters. Uh, and it was like, man, you could have had this thing do so many awesome things ahead of time. I, I, again, it feels very much like the beginning of the story. That's right. Rather than, but yeah, you've also got uh, Henry Zaga, who plays uh, Roberto da Costa. Yes. The... The, the kind of um, guy who goes Nova and stuff, and uh, yeah, so one he, of our one one of sorry, go on. He is he is playing, I believe. Now all the other characters are de- like Rain Sinclair is an amazing character in the comics. She's fun. Right. Um, she's always bursting into things and like she just has this really temperamental attitude that I always liked. And and Maisie Williams, as I said, did a really good job of 
kind oh, of showing that because the thing is like as a wolf she's always so forward like very forward mm. and very aggressive but her normal demeanor is kind of different but in the comic like she's very rarely not in her wolf form like she's usually mm. rain is usually like fanged out and so like it's just it was interesting to see it kind of played that way because they go into stories like that talking about what it was like for her like growing up in this rural town where people don't you know think a werewolf is the devil or something like that right, so, right, right. yeah um, cool character but i mean iliana again and it's interesting because iliana was your typical 90s platinum blonde in the comics and so mm. she's she's incredibly attractive but also incredibly powerful she partners up within the first like 10 issues with this blonde haired guy i mean this is a 90s comic book so remember guys <laughs> You know, and then they, they look like, you know, they're going to go out clubbing and celebrities the rest of their life. But that's why it was interesting for me to see kind of the darker version of this character. Um, because they- And she, she actually is the sister of one of my favorite X-Men, uh, Colossus. Yes. Which I think is kind of interesting. But they never, they never allude to it, really. No, and I don't think in every timeline that's true, but you're right. Like, in, in some okay. of the timelines, that's true. Again, it's comic books, right? So I'm like, I'm having it's to remember in my yeah. head, like, do, do all that, do that. But yes, Ileana Rasputin is, um, I can't remember, what's the first name of, of Colossus? Something Rasputin. Uh, it's, yeah, it's like, uh, not Mikhail. Um, I mean, you know, it was the 60s when they... Piotr. Yeah, 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 like their version of Peter, right? <coughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, sorry, but Henry Zaga's character is supposed to be, mm. I believe, is supposed to be Sunspot. Sunspot was uh, a okay. new Brazilian character because in the late 90s, right? This is when I was reading comics. In the late mm. 90s, you had new metal, which brought all this new music, this new music coming out of Brazil. And Brazil became this kind of cool country for like metal and all things alternative all of a sudden because of bands like mm. Soulfly and I believe a few members of Fear Factory from there as well. They had this awesome metal scene that, that made it into mainstream, and then all of a sudden they wanted to make Brazilian characters for stuff. And so <laughs> he was the Brazilian character, Sunspot. And it was, he had similar what's, powers. Uh, yeah. What's, what about the, the, the guy? Is it Cannonball or? You're thinking of Cable. No, no, no. The, um, not, not Cable. I'm thinking of like the. Oh, the, Sam's character. The American. Yeah, Sam. Sam's character. Like- That's the one I didn't know offhand. It would be like Cannonball or something like that. I couldn't remember off the top of my head. I don't remember him specifically from the comics. The other ones... It is Cannonball. Wikipedia just told yeah. me. <laughs> the other ones that were big in a comic were like Vincenzo was the big baby. It was this massive guy um, who just... That's why he was there. He was the muscle. Mm. Who else can I remember? Deadpool was part of this group for a while. Mm, so De- Deadpool starts on the bad side and then joins X Factor. Uh, there's some person with two swords that fights Deadpool all the time. I can't remember. Anyways, it's not important. Four main characters. Another good reason I liked the movie, and another I think missed opportunity. Ed. So mm. you only had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven cast members total. And this whole yeah, thing, which I I I love that actually about about the film. I did, but he didn't take advantage. And again, I'm I'm guys, I am like super critical now because I I've spent 15 hours analyzing every film since this since the dawn of film. So, and, and the problem for me was the melding of styles. It was like he was taking this kind of indie claustrophobic, use a few characters rather than many, but then mm-hmm. he, because they were X Men, he had to necessarily right. kind of make this huge, and it was like. I would have just gone the whole hog. Can you make, and I think you can, I totally think you can, mm. can you make a claustrophobic X-Men film where the powers just aren't yeah. shown the way they were? Yeah, the problem yeah, is that yeah. the presence of the giant spirit bear alone is going to kill everything. Unless you're right. like giant spirit bear in a really tiny room where you're like face to face with it or something with an ultra close up. Do you get what right, I'm saying? Right, right, like, right. Yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. vision I would have for this yeah. film. And, and I think, like, there were elements there, and I have a feeling, uh, just a feeling, yeah. I have a feeling yeah. for him, he was like, that's where I wanted to go with this. Yes. But then it was yeah. like, um, no one's going to watch that X-Men film, so. Either that, or I think maybe the producers were like, look, it's an X-Men film, you've got to put some fucking superpowers and heroic shit. I will say, again, with Ileana Rasputin, when, when Lockheed turns into an actual little dragon... I lost my mind. Man. I was, I was thinking, I was like, were you, yes! weren't you thinking of Anthony though? I was so, we played Dungeons and Dragons yeah, with this guy who plays this huge character that has a little talking dragon on his shoulder. I'm like, Oh my God, it's Anthony's character. <laughs> and he's just as, yes. and this, the woman's just as powerful. 
<laughs> Hi, Anthony. Uh, but also the last cast member that I do want to mention, and she's an absolute, uh, we're, we're huge fans of her, uh, Alicia Braga, um, who uh, you, you probably remember her most from um, City of God, the Brazilian film. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, where she plays um, the the girlfriend in that, and ah, uh, okay, yeah, I I just saw an earlier picture of her, and now I'm like, I know exactly who that is. So this is her all grown up now. Yes, yeah, and she's fantastic. Wow, yeah, I know who that yeah. is. She made she made a good bad guy. I thought. Yeah, yeah, I thought, and it, yeah, because you had to play. I mean, that was again another really cool story within a story, but it was like muted to me it was like so she works for this company that's trying to make them into evil people blah 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 blah. but the problem is because it was mixing with like the childhood terror bit and everything else like again it was too many things going on at once um and i read a lot of comic books right now and so that's why i'm like comic books have like one but did you did did you realize who who her like um her boss was right i can't remember it was the essex corporation right yeah yeah so mr sinister Okay, there we go. I was trying to remember. He's a bad who... guy I've always wanted to see, but he 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 never gets shown, and he was teased in like something else. But, but I, I you're hitting specifically on my point. Like this is the thing. Like if you were gonna do it the way he wanted to do it on this, with four teenagers talking about their lives, kind of giving mm. this high tension but claustrophobic feel. I, that's the, all that stuff you have to throw out. And I don't think he had a choice. Like Mister Sinister was cool. So was Mojo. So were a couple other villains from the 90s, Mr. Sinister being one mm. of them. But I wouldn't have brought him into this story whatsoever because it, it wasn't. Un- I think it was I, I think it was subtle enough, though. I mean, because they did the whole, oh, my my superior. And then you're supposed to be thinking it's Professor X and stuff because uh, they because they openly call out the X-Men, which is kind of uh, cool again. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's it's that fan service. Yeah, thing, because, though, and because like, you had to do that, you couldn't like go whole horror like. You're talking about, like, yeah. trust me, and it's only because I've seen six billion versions of this film. Like, you went to the abandoned crazy house, basically. Yeah. You should have been doing, like, all sorts of horrible experiments on them all the time. That's how that movie goes, every single time. Mm. And the problem is you're playing into a genre so people have expectations of what they should see. And then when you don't meet those expectations, trust me, we're, we're the most vile you know, critics it comes when it comes to that because we didn't see what we wanted, so we didn't like it. And I wouldn't go so that far you, on this. I so mean, do you think that, like, horror is not a good direction for, for superhero movies to go down? Uh, no. No, because because of the... I, I mean, I don't think anybody who wants to make an original film should be anywhere near a superhero film right now anyway. Despite mm, me I, you know, yeah. despite me talking to Ed about, I said, you know, the last one I was annoying him with was, what if we got a steady cam? Because I have a steady cam. Not a steady cam. Uh, uh, a, hand, <laughs> a handheld camera and did, like you know, superheroes that are finding out about, like like an X-Men, where they're just finding out about it on, on Steadicam. A bit like, it's basically Chronicle. Like Chronicle, but, you know, with some extra bits in it that makes it so it's not Chronicle. You know what I mean? But <laughs> No, I mean, but I'm serious, because I think that could be cool, but after watching this set, it was really funny that I think I sent you that message two days before I went to see this, and then I saw this, and I was like, maybe it doesn't work mm. then. Maybe you can't execute... Yeah a personal level superhero film because what are we trying to do with a superhero film? Can you guys tell that I've been reading far too many film books? You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) but that's the point. I mean, that's how I develop the films. As I said, I make films, my films for me. So it's like, that's how I figure out how I want to make my film. And the problem I have with this, this concept of taking, telling the individual story of a superhero, it's similar, similar, but not the same to what they're doing in the boys. So The Boys, which is on its second okay. season now, which I haven't seen the second season, mm. but I watched all the first. The first was trying to show you the real side of superheroes. Did you like it? Because I remember you like really shitting on it when we first talked about it. It's 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 just not as clever as you're making it out to be. Like not you, but just as 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 it was made out to be when it first came out. It, it's it's a concept. A superhero film is made. Why do we want to watch the superhero films? Because we want to see things that we can't actually do. That's the whole point of a superhero film. That's why they have to have superpowers, because if it was just four ordinary fucking people, you'd be like, oh, it's a drama. But they have superpowers, right? So the whole thing is about us getting excited and watching them do things that we cannot do, you know, for that. So if you flip it around and say, yeah, but these superheroes are assholes, it's like, well, you've just gone back to the the four people in a room again. Why not just tell about the four fucking people and not have any superpowers now? Like... We can't go. I gotta be honest, I, though. We can't. I, I okay, love, okay. Um, let me finish it here. We can't go postmodern 
on a superhero film, which is inherently postmodern to begin with. You know what I mean? Like the MCU doesn't exist without people's huge desire in a postmodern world for superhero films because we're 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 because we, all our heroes are really dead. Um, have you seen Mystery Men? Ah, uh, I. I know the film, but I don't think I've ever seen it. It was with Ben Stiller, wasn't Waffle it? Waffle Man! Yeah, yeah, it's so good. Like, I think I think comedy and superheroes go quite well together. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I hear you. I think it's, it's trying to do too much, and it's perhaps a genre that isn't asking for a lot. Um, I mean, again, we always talk, we always, pretty much always, talk about how much we love the MCU and... Oh yeah, man! I'm I'm on like season four, episode fourteen, about to hit fifteen. I start Iron Fist tomorrow. Oh damn! Watched what? You're entering the dark ages. Yeah, well, I watched Doctor Strange. Yeah, that's all I have no to comment? say. Yeah, I feel like Forrest, <laughs> oh, really? I have Forrest oh. Gump. I feel like that's all I have to say. No, I, I again, <laughs> it was it was my reaction to Doctor Strange was similar to my reaction to this film. It was good. But I was yeah, like, and, yeah, and yeah. first of all, Doctor Strange was clearly what I should have seen in the cinemas because it, it just doesn't have the same effect on a small screen. It has all these mm-hmm. visual effects that would look amazing on an IMAX, but on my 50 inch, we're just like, oh, okay. I mean, okay, calling it, a, I mean, calling it a small inch that is a stretch, mate. What? It's still, it's still nice and big, your TV. Yeah, it's not, it's not a cinema, mate. I got a cinema pass. That's yeah. why I go to, go to the theaters, people. I, I'm not encouraging people to get COVID here. No, but, no, 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 totally. But, and in fact, before before this film, did you did you get that little love cinema um thing at the beginning of of the film? I think so. Describe oh, it to man. me. Talk it, about it. Talk so about it a little bit here. It's like a total nostalgia pulling on heartstrings. Come back to the cinema. The cinema's open. Like beautiful, you know, movie moments. Oh yeah, yes. Yeah. But this, I went to see it at Cineworld, so this was all like Cineworld. Like you're back now. Thank you come back more <laughs> i'm gonna send you the 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 video clip in case you didn't see it because it, it it made me super stoked to uh to to just be going back to the no cinema. no and that's the thing but like it do you think this one is so you, you think this one's like on a small screen would have been fine right yeah yeah i i, yeah. I it, it definitely trust me as a guy who goes i go so to give you just a little itty bitty bit of background i go to the cinema once a week i bought a cinema pass my day job offers me a substantial discount on a Cita World Pass, so I bought one. Um, and I go once a week. And when I started getting serious about being a, a film producer, that was one of my rules. And it's one of my rules because I don't think you can say shit about feature films if you don't see them in the cinema. Until, until that is no longer a medium we use, which I really don't think is ever going ha- to happen in our lifetime. But, you know, until we are firm that the, the silver screen or the small screen is where everything's going to be at now... I still think you have to see films in the cinema. Again, when we talked about budget, that's where a vast majority of your money is made still. So if you don't go to the cinema and you're like, oh, I want to be a filmmaker, I think you're kind of missing the point. Unless, you know, as I said, everybody has different aspirations. If you're saying, I never want to make a film that, that ever hits the screen, then fine. You know what I mean? Then, then, then you don't have to listen to what I'm saying. <laughs> but for me, like, I do want to make films that are going to be shown on the big screen. So, and it is... Going, I'm sorry, going back to my original ramble, like going once a week shows you that not every film is built to be in the cinemas, but some just end up being there anyway, and it's okay. The problem I would have with the New Mutants and not a current cinema, and actually it was a bit of a problem in the cinema I was in, but I put it more on, I mean, I watched all those Conjuring sequels, all the Annabelles and all that stuff, and they were horrible in the movie theater, not because they were terrible films, but because people were really loud because they were kind of boring. So when it gets boring in a cinema, unfortunately, people go on their phones and talk and chew popcorn right. even louder. And it's like, so the New Mutants, I had a lot of young people there, which is not a big deal, guys. You know, young people should be going to the cinema. But it was like I was next to two blokes that spent half the time talking and another two that were kind of bored. Like, and the problem is it was a slower film. So you just don't you're not as immersed. Whereas like in Tenant, Tenant's loud and crazy. So you're just mm. it could it, you could care less what the person to your left is doing because you're not going to hear him anyway. And so that's all I'll say is like, yes, you could have skipped the big screen with this one. Is it bad on the big screen? Nah, it was all right. It was it was definitely entertaining for an hour and a half watch. That's the only thing I will say about timing and going to the cinema once a week. You learn the beauty of a 80 minute or a 90 minute film. Yes. 
This one was Amen slightly longer, that. and I knew it. I could feel it. It was like after 90 you minutes. You feel I, it I, in your butt. Well, you can, though. You can see it in the story. Yeah, no, when no, the no. act three goes on that extra half hour, which is just a common mistake being made, you know, pursuant to all those movies in, you know, 2000 to 2010 that decided they needed to have, you know, a third act that was an extra hour. Here, it's like just cut it at the 90 minutes and stop the story and let's go. This one had a lot of kind of trailing extras that it was like, why not just move those forward in the story? And end this a little bit quicker. Mm-hmm. Uh, it probably helped that I was completely on my own in the theater. Oh my where I was god, at. that would have been awesome. Yeah, so uh, that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I like I say, man, I I enjoyed it a lot, and I think it had to do with expectation. And so here's here's so yeah, the you last question. To, you want to talk about that? that why, I wanted, why don't yeah. we go into that a little bit? What kind? What do you mean when you say expectations? Then so. I find that um, the level of disappointment that I feel in a film is often um, equivalent to how high my expectations are of said film. Sure. Right? And, um, I, I mean, the perfect example is the prequels, right? The Star Wars prequels. I had lived my whole life wishing there was, like, new Star Wars, and when the trailers for... Phantom Menace first started coming out. Mm-hmm. I was just, it's just so overly hyped. Mm. And then I went to watch the film and I was like, oh, like I didn't hate it because it was still Star Wars. But I knew that, it, that, that there was something that I really didn't like about it. And I think a lot of that came down to my expectations. So I don't know if you've seen it, but um, the new Dune trailer Dropped, oh yeah, of course uh, I've seen it. I have my my hair looks like I was I was I'm, I'm very fashion forward now, guys. I've because I've become this artist. I'm like you know I, I will do what I want to do now. Things I haven't done my entire life. Maybe it's just a midlife crisis. I am 38 in like two days, but <laughs> you know like I'm growing my hair out really long, guys, like way long, and it's it's kind of but but then the the, the what was it Paul Atreides comes up and he had yeah, his hair yeah. done the exact same way as mine for the day and I was like Anthony Chalamet oh mate I was like I'm there I'm already I'm Paul Atreides there we go <laughs> now it looked it so looked amazing I, yeah so so here's so here's my question to you are you are you worried about it because your expectations are that high or are you just kind of ah it'll be what it'll be I'm much more it'll be what it'll be. The problem you will have is with purists of the book that always want the book to be perfectly represented on screen. You know, the only time that ever really happened was The Lord of the Rings. Um, Harry Potter, I always say, is an exception because they made the movies almost the same. You, you had the person who made the books right there. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, J.K. Rowling could have told you what stuff was going in those scripts and which ones wasn't. Whereas... You know, Lord of the Rings, Tolkien was, was well past dead, sadly enough, um, and obviously had his son to help. But that's the only one that, that the purists were like, nope, it was done like the books were. If you do Dune like it's done in the books, you're done for. You're absolutely done mm. for. Um, and yeah, I just, you have to see how it was. There's a lot of interpretation that comes in the Dune books, and whether he interprets it like Frank Herbert or not, who knows? But religion... Okay, so maybe, maybe Dune is a bad example because you've got a book as a precedent. I guess I, I'm 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 talking about the feeling of expectation for a film and whether that has an impact on like you know how much you enjoy something or I, no, like if it's just I just I wouldn't high, yeah. I wouldn't use Dune as the example. I would use the, the perfect example and, and actually this is flipping the question back on you, which is what we doing? What are you guys talking about? It's talking about tenant, yeah. which you haven't seen yet, but you have already expressed to me your like potential disappointment at tenant because Everyone else is right now. And I think it has exactly what you're talking about is people went into that film saying like, this is how it has to be. I've seen Tenet. I would go see it again. Why? Yes, it's confusing as all hell. It was a Christopher Nolan film. So what did you expect? The action is fucking intense. Like, that's all I wanted. Mm. Like, I, I just don't know what other people expected. They always want this kind of like, well, if you thought Inception was difficult to understand, I'm like, I went into Inception understanding halfway through that film that I no longer needed to know what the exact setup was this. That's the beauty mm. of Christopher Nolan films is you don't have to understand right. every single detail of the theory behind it. You can if you want to, like with Christopher Nolan films, because he's an intelligent guy, and I'm not saying people who watch his films and don't get them aren't intelligent, 
But you have to go and research what he's talking about. In Inception, he's talking about dreams within dreams. That is, you know, he has much, he has clearly read a ton on that subject. What we're talking about in in um in Tenant, just a spoiler alert, by the way, if you don't want to know, then don't listen to this point. But it's about no, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it either. Oh, Hold on. Okay. Do you, you can't do, do, you can't do, do. you can't spoil the film for me. I can't <laughs> turn the podcast off. Do, do you know what the do you know what it, the thing is about though? Do you know the science, the I, pseudoscience? I, 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 I think I know it's about time reversal or like time travel or something like that. But hold on, before you confirm or deny, I think that Tenant isn't a good example because I have actually not very high. I, I never had very high expectations for it, mostly because I find Christopher Nolan films to be a little bit same-ish, and I know that's probably, no, no. like, a blasphemy. Absolutely not. No, 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 we all do. But, you know, e- same-ish in the same sense of it. Eh, eh, eh. Is it Shalomen same-ish? And sorry we keep bringing you up. Every, I think every person in the world <laughs> brings you up when we're talking about same directors. Yeah. You know, if it makes you money made, cool. I've yeah, said that before exactly. when I think I, when I was talking well done, about man. you. Well done. If it works, yeah, if it works, luck. it works. You know what I mean? Keep making yeah, it. Yeah. However, like, not that same but yes, definitely the, the kind of mind-bending action. So and people imitate uh, yeah, and his. They're, they're always going to look great, and they're also probably going to be devoid of any emotion, because unless it's Interstellar, where he gets told, "Oh, your movies don't have a lot of emotion," and he's like, "Fuck you, my movies don't have emotion. Let me show you how much emotion my movies can have." Interstellar. I, I think I do think you've got a chip on your shoulder for Christopher Nolan, man. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I, I fucking loved Interstellar, and um, but but like there was there was a lot of stuff in there that I was like, you're reacting to critics here, man. Um, but yeah, I guess like I I I I always expect a really good film, like really well made, that is gonna like mess with your head and stuff like that. I guess I I don't know why I don't have very like super high expectations for it because I guess he's set a standard and he always meets it you know like his films are always really fucking good they they are and, and I mean I do get the upsetness now listen what are you, what is your typical you know person that goes to uh, uh, an action film because these are action films these are not you know anything mm. anything else and that's where Ed's getting with and God we've just switched into talking about Tenant real quick here but. Um, why not? Why not? You know what I mean? But they're action films. I think he started on a trend, obviously, with Memento, which is the first one, which has that kind of cult following for people like it's brilliant. Have to remember. Have I've... you seen um, Have you seen Following? His his like super indie first film. No, no, not at That's all. That's really good, man. It's 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 very interesting. Okay. Of course, it's in black and white. Okay. But you know. Um. But he's progressed. You know, in every film he does come out with, I think is is billed as an action film, and and. I think for a while, his action films had the, what I would call the, and this is going to piss off a lot of people, so I apologize, but mm-hmm. I had what I call the Angels and Demons of the Da Vinci Code effect. I dealt with... Okay, I feel like I get, yeah. Da Vinci Code and Angels and Demons are two of my least favorite books slash movies, and I love Tom Hanks, yeah, yeah. so that was hard for me to say, because I love yeah. Tom Hanks. But listen, yeah. you weren't clever, you are not clever, there was never anything <laughs> yeah. clever right. about you understanding the mysteries yeah. in either of those books. They were designed for idiots, you know? To, and make, I, to make idiots feel, feel smart. And that's why I will admit that I felt fucking very smart. I hated, I hated those books. Code. Only because, you know, every person has their faults. One of my biggest faults is I continuously think I'm smarter than most people, okay? So that is why a guy like me looks at angels and demons and is like, oh, for fuck's sake. Like, you know what I mean? Like, a moron could have been. That's why I can't watch Criminal Minds. My wife absolutely loves that show about the FBI plane that flies yeah. around, you know, the jumbo jet from Quantico, which I'm like, yeah. are you my out mom, of your mind? My mom loves that I know, well. you know, like, just can't do stuff like that, guys. So this, unfortunately, when you're talking about what has happened in my view, and this, this is the part that's going to piss everybody off. What has happened well, in my view is like, okay, so Memento... Most people could understand that. They were like, oh, he's going in reverse. And so we all thought, mm. aren't we clever? Because we can mm. watch a movie in reverse. Then we yeah. had Inception, which I would say three quarters of the people who watched that didn't get everything he was trying to say about dreams, but generally understood that we were dealing with dreams and dreams and thought it was really pretty visually. So they'll take a bit of a lie and say, yeah, I got it. Yeah, I kind of yeah. knew what was going yeah. on there. Interstellar. Yeah. Interstellar. Now, that one hits close to the heart because, you know, closet astrophysicist that I am. So like... This was talking about big things. And this is where Christopher Nolan kind of screws it up that I got pissed at that movie because there are so many things that were like, 
nah mate like what are you talking about yeah. that whole ending <laughs> that whole uh, yeah. ending where he's like i've gone into a black hole and this is happening it's like it's love the worst part it's exactly love. the worst part was up and up until that point there was like all of this actual science fiction that was awesome the waves yeah. thing like yeah. trust yeah. me if you've ever played mass effect which is probably the best game for seeing how or no man's sky that's how you see mm. how these physical things are represented on other planets yeah. if you're unable yeah. to travel as it would be and if you're a science fiction geek like myself so like that was really cool but then he ends on this like yeah, i've got to make it for people that are just and you're like what are you doing like just talk about what happens in a black hole i'm telling you man it's 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 the critics who said oh my god this guy like is a like soulless robot okay so yeah so and he was like fuck you so he dumbs down interstellar at the end just to appease those people and i knew it and i was yeah. pissed because i'm like you made an awesome yeah. science fiction film which has this bullshit ending because you you couldn't write a really cool scientific way for this to work so you were like mm. okay fine i'll just have it happen this way instead so mm. fast forward to tenant now which no one knows anything about because wait, wait you're skipping dunkirk though right i never saw dunkirk so i can't comment oh you never saw Dunkirk. should i watch okay. dunkirk right. see it tell I me i think you should i was gonna go to so dunkirk go. but you know if i remember correctly someone went and got this huge movie poster and took Look. a big picture of themselves in Look. the middle of the day while i was working Look. and it told him i wanted to go to this thing Look. Look, it was in 70 millimeters, and I had no choice. The gods of film told me that I had to go and leave you at the office. You did me wrong, Ed Berger. You did me wrong. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) I feel like a betrayer, like Judas. Um, okay, so, but that, so I think skipping, that's the perfect skipping, example. Skipping Dunkirk, and, and well, why don't you? No, why don't you give the perfect example with Dunkirk then, and then I'll, I'll talk about Tenet. No, I, I like. I think I think that's it. Like he does, he seems to do things for a very niche group of people, and it seems like it's for cinematographers. Like he wants to make films that cinematographers will absolutely cream their pants over. I that's probably actually a better description that I was going to give. I you know Tenet was the step further that, like, I just feel that people people don't want to go to a movie that they have to pick up a book afterwards to kind of understand. But just, you, you're mm-hmm. right, it's talking about time, but it's time as a vector. And most people don't look at time that way unless you study physics, because in physics, mm-hmm. you could try to represent time as a vector, as a mathematical vector. So all the concept is in, in Tenet is, what if we took that mathematical ver- vector and took the physical object itself and reversed that? So, in other words, a bullet traveling forward, you reverse the vector, and then it travels backwards into the gun. That's it. That's that's the whole thing. Like, that's that's it. Now, to understand how that would work under a billion different concepts, these are the things that Einstein used to set up to teach you about mm. relativity. And this, I guess, what pisses me off. He's giving you Einstein. Like, he's saying, right, right. this is theoretically how I think it would happen. And then he sets up a visual shot to do that. To mm. me, as the physicist, I'm like, oh, my God, this is like, I, I was like creaming my pants because I... I don't yeah, necessarily yeah. understand what the experiment's going to show, but they're just mm. like the thought experiments of Einstein, where he's about yeah, to show yeah. me what happens when I coordinate these two things or have these two concepts. So it was a thinking man's action film, definitely. Mm. Could mm. you just put your brain back and watch everybody shoot each other? Sure. It had Michael Caine. It had Robert Pattinson in one of his best roles yet. You know what I mean? Like, and, and I just, you know, in the lead who, where had I seen the, where had I seen that lead before, Ed? Like, what else has he been in? Um, I feel like he's been in a TV show. He was the lead in oh, a I think TV that's show. It. I don't know where I put. Sorry, we've switched to talking about Tenant, by the way, but you're getting two for one on this one. <laughs> two for one, New guys. New Mutants slash Tenant. Two for one, guys. I'm just, we're, we're just Wikipediaing his name here. Only because he hasn't been in. John David Washington, who has also been in. That was it. I've seen him in a lot of stuff. He was in. So, I don't see any TV series, though. Oh, Ballers, he was in. There we go. Ah, As Ricky Jarrett. I never watched Ballers. Was that that, also the one with The Rock in it? That's the one with The Rock. Ah, I don't want to watch that. No? Really good. But, yeah, he was in Malcolm X a long time ago as a child. And then Devil in a Blue Dress, which is a good thriller. Uh, Oh, I love that. Book of Eli. Love Beats Rhyme, oh, Monsters and Men, All Rise, Black Klansman. That's the other one that he's in, and I just didn't recognize. Yeah, I've seen that. I just yeah. watched it, but I fell asleep to it, so I need to put it on again. It's the um, Spike Lee joint. That's right. Available on Netflix. So, oh, nice. at, at any rate, like uh, my point being with Tenet, like, listen, 
if you can handle the fact that that he's going to put some science fiction in that it is definitely going to make your head scratch it's an awesome action film and and i completely agree with ed saying about the cinematography like that is the reason i would go see it again because i'm obsessed with camera right now because i'm learning about it so and just obviously oh i'm happy i'm happy to give you your um birthday present that's music to my ears well it's 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 just like ed you would you would go gaga to see the reverse shots when he's doing this stuff i'm sure i would like and it's been done in other films as well i just watched another film it was being done in and it's like but but he's so again i guess my point is summering all my ranting up and my raving on what is actually wrong with a guy making films like that for cinematographers it's worth my 15 mm. bucks to see it in the movie screen because that's mm. really the best place to see it. So I'm not, mm. I may not buy the DVD if I don't actually like the story, but I want to see the shots on a big screen because it just makes them that yeah. much cooler. I mean, he, he does make cinema uh, and there's no, there's no denying it. But I think the problem was expectation because he was supposed <coughs> to be the man who saved cinema in COVID. And it was like, mm. well, no, like, I don't think this was going to be the film that's don't going to... Don't put it on make, one guy. Yeah, I don't think everybody's going to go to see this film because it is confusing. And, you know, for your general masses, where you're talking about everybody, no one's going to... It's the same problem I have with New Mutants. New Mutants will be boring, you know, is boring. We know from, from our friends' conversations to other people. Why? Because it, it, it takes a, a big action Marvel film and then reduces it into a four-person character study. You know what I mean? And so that's another thing. And so it's like we're seeing right now just how, you know, how that can affect when there's not that much in the cinema, you know, how much that can mm. affect people's reviews of things. So just uh, just because we often talk about um, budgets and box office and stuff like that, uh, Tenant was a reported budget of 200 million. Mm. And it's taken thus far because it's still showing 207.5. That's right. Yeah. At the box office. And uh, New Mutant, which I, was it reported? Because I think sometimes they do this with things that they shelve. Oh, yeah, it was. So 67 to 80 million. Mm-hmm. And box office, it's saying 23.9. So yeah. it didn't do well at the box office. Well, and, and okay, so we can dissect that. We, we have a few minutes left here at the end, and we can dissect that. So... Tenant's the easy one. You would expect Tenant, you know, Tenant's going to cost 200 million to make easy. Like that's yeah. big blockbuster. At least, right? I mean, big blockbuster these days, you're running a budget between 150 to 250 million, right? That's, that seems yeah. to be the range at the moment of yeah. when, when the big, big boys get involved with their spending. So with that spend, you know, you're going to have to take back, it would have been more than 200 as well that they had to take back. And I think that's where Christopher Nolan might be called up on this one. Um, mm. Because again, it's the profit. It's the, you know, our people, there was a huge marketing campaign with this as well. So, you know, those mm. the print and advertising costs are going to be high because yeah. they did so much to actually not advertise this film and advertise its secrets. I know, yeah. yeah. So, so there we go. Like, that's what I'm saying. That film to me is going to have problems. However, I would see more problems. And this isn't because I, I want to, you know, have a go at him. I think he's, I think he, the film was good, but. The 80 to 90 million only grossing to 20, I think, was more predictable. Yeah. Because a four person character study, often some of our favorite indies are done like that. Think of, you know, Ex Machina. What was Ex Machina's mm. gross at the end? Like, like 30, I think. Yeah. So a film like that that's filmed in that way, like, it just never needs s- to be cheaper. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. Again, you know, on this show, as we're getting towards our end here, like, you know, these are just our guesses at things and our attempts as filmmakers to try to understand why some things do well in the cinemas and why some things don't do well and kind of the best way forward if you're looking at budgets and things like that. That's why Ed's bringing it up. So with Tenet, I mean, where could we have learned there? Well, that's our whole discussion on if you're going to make a 200, and this is where Ed, it brings up a good point, bringing up budget. Like, if you're going to make a 200 million film, you might have needed a wider, wider approach. You can't, mm. I don't think, in my view at least, Ed, and you can chime in on this, what you think, but... I don't think, in my view, you can make films just for cinemaphiles, like cinematographers, right. on a two hundred right. million budget. Yeah, query, it seems a bit much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, query whether you can make those films though without the two hundred million. Can can Christopher That's, Nolan produce right. what he does on a lower budget? Chicken or egg? I would argue, yes, absolutely. 
if he just stopped filming on 70 millimeter film and you know the giant IMAX cameras but then it wouldn't be Christopher Nolan right like that's mm. that's kind of the point it's his it's his approach it's his method yes well you, you know, know I, having read Masterclass of Lars von Trier you know like it, he makes films all the guys in that Masterclass to finish that book now Ed but you know everybody nice. the one thing that's consistent um, all the way down to Godard because that's the final one this guy just the guy who put together those interviews absolutely adores Godard. So Godard's the last yeah. one. Probably fitting because Godard's the first one to tell you, like, you make films for you first, then everybody else. Mm. Like, never make films for other people. So no one's going to make the films that no one wants to make. If someone's going to pay him to make them. Exactly. I guess is exactly. it. And trust me, like, God knows I'd love to be in his shoes because hopefully, hopefully, Chris, he's got enough money now that it doesn't really matter. It's like James Cameron. That's why you love and hate James yeah. Cameron because anything he comes out with... <laughs> Like, is totally his pet project. It's what he wants like, to make. fair enough, Jim. Fair exactly. enough. Exactly. Like, oh, Avatar 3, 2 through 5. Like, nobody wants these films anymore. He doesn't care. He's like, you're still going to like yeah. them. I'm going to make them, and you're going <laughs> to like them. I'm going to make them, and you're going to pay to watch them. Like, okay. Well, if, if you really, like, you know, I was just reading about Titanic, and it was like, you know, the jokes about, like, people were like, this film can't possibly be any good. It's ridiculous. And then it becomes, becomes one of the highest grossing films in cinema you know i mean it just goes to, it highlights the fact and that then james cameron you, never has most to make... people don't know what they're talking about no, it's just the neither, fact. neither do we you know we just try we do our yeah. best so so that's exactly. what i mean with tenet like 200 million on the budget 80 to 90 million on on new mutants like unfortunately that went through production hell so i'd i'd have to know more about the breakdown on that we could you know if people were really interested we could do another episode on that and i could research it up and to see why because it seems a bit high for what he filmed. Yeah, I think I think a part of it's going to be um, so because originally they they wanted to make it more like accessible to 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 everybody, right? Mm. But then it came out and it made like a shit ton of money, mm. and then they recut the trailer to make it seem very much like a horror film. Yeah. And then I think they started doing reshoots to try and make it more horror filmy. Okay. And I think that's probably where, like, you know, the budget kind of ballooned and stuff like it, that. It clearly ballooned. This would have been a good one to come in on, like, a baby driver budget, which was, I think, $30 yeah, million, if I remember. Um, uh, yes, I think you're right. Yeah. That's the one we were really surprised at. Ed and I went to see, you know, Ed, Ed was... Gaga for Edgar Wright got me onto Edgar Wright. We went to go see that at uh, the Electric Ballroom Cinema or Electric Cinema, sorry, in Shoreditch, and it was amazing. But in Shoreditch. Then we went to see. Then we went to look at the budget. The budget was so low, and it was like, wow, how yeah. did he pull off all those explosion shot car chases with only like it was like thirty million? But the point is, because of that, when that film grossed like a hundred million, the guy was a star. Like it was like, oh, oh, you've just made three times your entry. Whereas this one, at least, would have cut even. And could have, you yeah. know, probably should put him in. It doesn't look like exactly. It's, you know, I, I think with all the controversy behind this film, they'll give him a mulligan on it anyway because I think so too. He yeah, got screwed right. by the powers that be. He made a decent film that has just had every producer's hand on it, you know, across the studios, and that's going to yeah, inevitably and the ruin. whole Disney Fox sale happening that's right. as well. That's right. So, so yeah, you know, totally. that's why I would say end end comments from me. It's a decent enough film to watch i I, if you're not dying to see the next x-men film maybe wait till it comes out on dvd because i just don't think that's what i would say you have to see this in the cinema if you are an x-men fan or uh what other kind of people would be like this if you like you know if if you're up for a thriller you want to see something in the cinema and it's going to be a little bit tense a little bit scary you can go for this as well um it's not i I guess the thing to warn you is it's not a fast-paced action movie it is not the slightest a fast-paced action movie. It, it does have some great action at the end, um, but that's pretty much where that's going to be, and everything else is kind of building to that point. So you're not a person who doesn't, you know, doesn't enjoy a slow build to an exciting, you know, finale, then avoid this like the plague. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would, I would say definitely worth a watch. Um, yeah, like, like you, Jason, I, I would agree, and I'd say not necessarily one that you've got to rush to the, to watch in the cinema maybe wait till it comes out on streaming or or is available for for rental and stuff um but yeah i guess uh, my last thought is hopefully um you know the the superhero films will still get interesting outings um now that uh you know disney 
pretty much has a monopoly. The only other holdouts are Sony with um with Spider Man and the Spider Verse. Um, so you know, fingers crossed, they'll still make interesting films like I think this one is. Yeah, yeah. Let's um, you know, fingers crossed for you, buddy. Cool. Well, that brings us to the end of another exciting episode of What Are You Guys Talking About? So, what are you guys talking about? Very good. As, as before Ed uh, falls asleep on his microphone. Oh, dude. I, I've, I've been enjoying, like, going to bed early so much recently. Getting old. Yep. We're, we are getting old. Old man Burgo. Hey, I only went to bed early last night, and that's because I've, I've done, like, four days without sleeping again. So... Um, it's, your birth- it's your birthday soon on Thursday. That's right. I will be 38. It's your years birthday old. on Thursday. Yeah, Thursday. So, having my birthday on Thursday, and then on Friday, it's kind of my birthday treat with Uncle Eddie. We're going to go see uh, Memories of Murder, right? Oh, oh, is it Memories yes. of Murder or Memories of a Murder? Memories of Murder. Memories of Murder, which is the initial film from. Um, from Bong Juno, one of his Sorry, he earlier says the, films. He says pronunciation correctly, and I think it's important because again, this is the guy who made Parasite and someone that Eddie has followed the career of for for quite a while. So we're going to do our next podcast quite quite you know quite rightly so on that, and um, Eddie's going to do a lot of talking about his uh his love so again. Oh um, Bong, yeah. and we'll talk more about Korean cinema, kind of our our feelings because this is this was. This was something that, that, you know, in the history of film, the story of film, sorry, in Odyssey, keep saying the wrong thing. It's called A Story of Film, The Odyssey by Mark Cousins. You know, he talks about this film, uh, Memories of Murder, as being, you know, one of the three films that jumpstarts Korea into its new wave of film. So um, another reason to check it out. Uh, And so, yeah, hope you'll join us next time for that. Don't forget, obviously, to subscribe, like and comment on SoundCloud or any other podcast platform. Um, and then always leave us comments, love, you know, whatever else in social media, Instagram, uh, Facebook or Twitter or or LinkedIn. And obviously go to the Web page because I love people going to the Web page. WW. Love Victoria. Book. Anyways, that's all I've got, Ed. What else have you got? Anything? Mm-hmm. Uh, just a uh, happy birthday. Early happy birthday to you. Thank you. Um, uh, we're going to have a, a blast. Uh, everyone else, uh, get ready. Go out and watch uh, Memories of Murder so you can listen to the podcast as soon as it comes out. That's right. Or, or come down to the showing. It's going to be at the Curzone. Oh, yeah, that's right. Fr- uh, Curzone is presenting it out of Camden. So it's in the Camden market on Friday night. Um, sure. And if you see us, uh, stop by, say hello. And, uh, you know, uh, we'll give you a shout out on the podcast. Right. What about that's that? That's absolutely right. So hopefully see some of there. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, thank you guys so much. We will catch you next time. Bye. Bye-bye.